friends, welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective. I am so excited. Of course, I always am, by the way, because I have the most awesome guests in the entire world on this show. Today, we're talking about a very controversial subject. Some of you have experienced this in your own personal life. Some of you have contemplated this. And I can relate to it myself. The subject today is suicide. This is a very serious topic. So if anyone's in the room that this is going to trigger, I'm just going to kindly ask you to maybe pause the show or leave the room. Or if you don't want to watch it, watch it later. But you don't want to miss what we're about to share today. I have a great friend that's coming on today. Her name is Heather Palazzos. And she's married to Rawl. Together in South Florida, they're raising two boys and serving on a staff at a church by the Glades. Heather is a graduate of Judson University with a degree in business management. Heather's the founder of Wund Her Full. I said that, Wund Her with an H-E-R, Full. An organization with a simple mission. One more suicide is one too many. Her mission is being accomplished through an electric speaking circuit, corporations, prisons, law enforcement, committees, churches, schools, halfway houses, psychiatric hospitals, colleges, charity events. My friends, welcome to Pink Chair and my friend Heather. Heather, I'm so Hi. happy you're here today and I'm grateful that you took the time because where are you right now? What part of the world I are you am in? I am in Key Largo. Man, all I can hear is that song by the Beach Boys. Okay. <laughs> you want you want to sing it real quick? We could sing it. Oh, Which you, one? Do you know it? Do you know that song? Jamaica, Aruba. No. Ooh, I, I want to take you. <laughs> okay, I've been to Key Largo. It's a beautiful place. I'm so glad that you're taking time out. Uh, for yourself and getting away for a couple days. And then you had the audacity to just say yes and say, I'll come on pink chair. And of course, next time <laughs> we will get you here in the chair itself. But uh, okay. the wonderful, wonderful world of media allows us to be together today. I I'm just so excited to talk to you because I really believe that your story and what you're doing is so needed right now. And especially during we know the past couple of years, it's been crucial that somebody is there ministering to people that don't feel like they want to live any longer. So can you tell us, right. like, how did this start? Like, why did you ever feel suicidal? What happened to you? Well, the first time I was having suicidal thoughts was when I was eight years old. So that would have been 1981. And we lived on 254 South College Drive, Bowling Green, Ohio. And I penned a letter to my grandparents saying that I didn't want to live anymore. And that kind of began a lifelong battle with this palpable temptation in my head um, to give up and peace out uh, by suicide. And I think that because I live in the world of still being alive, 
but I live in those moments leading up to dying. I am in a unique spot and have prayed God use me to help people join me in not giving up because I know what it's like to want to. Did you feel like, uh, was there a, a certain moment that happened in your life or was it just an overwhelming feeling of doom that you felt as a younger lady? Well, when I was eight years old, uh, I was getting bullied. And I think that's what kind of perpetuated that, that desire. Uh, I, and, I, you know, and if I, you know, I, I didn't know how I wanted to act on it. I just knew I didn't want to live anymore. As I got older, you know, I learned ways that I could take myself out. And that's, you know, as I got older, I would attempt. But um, it, it's not, it wasn't like a, a crisis that occurred and what spun off from it was a lifelong battle with suicide. It's just, mm. I liken it to, this is my temptation. We all battle something. Some of us, it's drugs. Some of us, it's porn. Some of us, it's uh, gambling. For me, it's suicide. It is a tempting, palpable, just, I just, you know, that's, what tempts me to take me out and I have to fight it. Like everybody else has to fight their battle. Wow. I, I thank you so much for being frank and honest. Um, I wanted to ask you about that particular incident that you shared before about your school and those kids were bullying you and they, they put something in your hair. What was that? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, there's, a few stories of the bullying, it was so horrendous. And back then there was not um, protocols and movements in place to protect kids from bullying. So you just had to deal with it. But I do remember one time in particular, the ringleader of the pack got all the kids to pick their nose and fling their snot at the back of my head while we were in art class watching a movie. And I just remember sitting at the front of the class by myself and I could hear them all laughing. I could feel the stuff hitting me and just mm. these tears streaming down my face and just frozen in shame and loneliness. Yeah. Um, and, and no, and no rescue. And it was awful. Yeah. I, you know what? And I, I totally relate to you in so many ways because I was bullied in school too. And, but I, I, I really feel like the enemy comes after us. And we all know that it says that in the Bible, to kill, steal, and destroy, so that we will not fulfill the call that God has on our life many times, right? And right. Did, did you, even though in the midst of that, I, I'm just curious for everyone else that's out there as well, did you ever feel like there was something a little special about you and you knew it, but you knew that no one could really see it yet? And... <laughs> I mean, did huh. you have that inkling uh, inside of you at all? Like there's something. Well, I, that's a, I mean, I, gosh, of all the podcasts and Zooms and interviews, no one has ever asked me that. And that is like, can somebody please give her a car, brand new car? Cause that question is awesome. I get a car. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I, when I was eight, wrote that letter. When I was 14, I attempted. When I was 18, I attempted. When I was 25, I was I attempted and was locked in a psych ward. Um, and then in 2019 and in 2020, you know, it got narrowly close. But 
Um, I, as a kid and as an adolescent and as a young adult, knew I was weird, knew I was odd and knew I was strange because that's what I was told. Um, as I've come into my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and he's become my best friend and I uh, obsessed with the Bible. It's my favorite book. Mm. It's, it gives me life. I, I, I breathe in fresh oxygen, which is so good for my brain that dances in the dark when I open right. the pages of my Bible. And as an older woman, I have learned I'm not weird and Hold strange and, uh, and odd. <laughs> odd. I'm, I'm unique. You know, I had to, I had to change the vernacular because when you are told, you know, for years and years and years that you're different, you're unique. There's something strange about you. You internalize those labels as negatives. So I had to go to God's word and say, what is unique or weird or peculiar or odd to the world? What is it to you? Well, to God, it's mm. you're wonderfully complex. You are fearfully made. You are called for a purpose. You are the only one of you. You have a jar with a name, your name on it with tears that I've collected. And so, you know, in my older adult years, Annie, I've come to learn the, the real word is, you know, is that I, I'm, I'm, unique. I'm God's only one of me. There's no other Heather Michelle Fung Palacios. That's not weird. That makes me a masterpiece. Yeah, you, you are a masterpiece. Now, now, what was it that you, I mean, because you said you felt weird and you knew that you were unique, but was there like this, this gut, like instinctive drive one day? You know, we, we know our, our mama bear, Joyce Meyer says it all the time. One day. I'm going to do something great. You know, like that little, that little <laughs> fight inside your spirit, like that God puts in there to rise above and rebel against the negativity and the, the suicide thoughts and the, the feeling less than. Did you ever have that, that fight inside of you? Cause obviously you're here, girl. Okay. So did, what, what got you over the edge of not doing that? Like, what what was like your moment, your your crisis moment? When um, you surrendered everything. Yeah, it was it was February. It was um, July thirtieth, two thousand. July thirtieth, two thousand. Uh, I was a pastor's wife for a year, and I couldn't reconcile being a pastor's wife and having the temptation that I had. I knew divorce wasn't an option, so I drove to a liquor store and got stuff and Blitz. numbed my body and uh, mm -hmm. yep Blitz. attempted to take my life yeah <laughs> yeah and um i the state of florida intervened this time and locked you know locked me up in a psychiatric ward and i needed to be but my point of reckoning was that night because i was like huh all right thanks a lot god now not only am i still alive but I'm a pastor's wife who publicly tried to take her life, who's locked in a psych ward, still alive. Wow. I mean, this there is no there is no going up from here. And yeah, uh, that, if that I'm wrong, pretty, mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, you're going to have to prove it big time because I don't know one pastor's wife that has done this that is doing great things. 
Wow. So how did you feel when you woke up in that place where you were in a psych ward? Did they lock you in there? And did they, they like take needles and put like things like drugs in your arm to keep you like level or what was it like? They actually, well, because of the, 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 um, combativeness that I had showed fighting off the first responders who were trying to save my life. I was a threat to myself and society. I had beat off my husband and I had beat off six first responders. So they tranquilized me and knocked me out to subdue me. Um, and I needed to be, I was going to severely injure, if not, you know, kill myself in those moments. Um, and then they did lock, they put me in a room in isolation in the psychiatric ward. It was brutal. Wow. You know, that was, I mean, that was, yeah. 21 years ago. So again, there wasn't a protocol and movement in place to make those places dignified. It was pretty bad. Yeah. They, they, in other words, it didn't probably, they probably didn't have trauma informed care, which we all know what trauma informed care really is. It's the love of Jesus. It's just the love of God and enfolding you and treating you with kindness and compassion and dignity. Like you said, like it's, you know, respect. So, uh, when you, got out of there, how did things change? Because did you have an epiphany when you were there? I did. I lied there that night. And when I tell the story, and I've been telling it now for 21 years, I was so mad at God. I was (laughs) profanity spewing mad at God. And I'm a pastor's wife. But I was like, I just want to die. And you are forcing me to live. And and then that slowly just, I mean, all I had, Andy, was God. I mean, I was in isolation. Yeah. Right. And they didn't let me have a TV. They didn't even let me have a mural on the wall, lest I use it to harm myself. So all I had was God. And and then I broke down. And I just remember wailing, you know. And then I finally had a moment of clarity and, and, and slight sanity. And I said, here's the deal. You win. But if you can get me out of this horrible place, I will dedicate the rest of my life to help people not end up here. And um, God and I have both held up to our ends of the deal. Yeah, you have a lot of courage to, to talk about this. This is like a stigma with a, it's still, I, it's still not easy to talk about. Now, I have to admit, Heather, I, I really admire you and I look up to you because I have felt the way you felt and when we don't have a purpose and a reason for being here, or when we figure out, oh, this is our purpose, here's my reason for being here, but it doesn't still make sense. Like, it, does it ever not, does it ever click in your head? Like, this still doesn't make sense. Like, we <laughs> just don't know, do we? Like, and to surrender to the fact that we will never know until we see Christ face to face, and even we might not know everything then either. Um, it's, it's a hard thing to do as a human, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I'm just really encouraged by you because you're, you're so blunt and so honest about how you were feeling and that you still struggle sometimes and that's okay. And I'm not going to lie when I go do outreaches on the strip and I, uh, if I like the other night I was there and I told my husband, let's go look for a couple people that are working. He was like, okay. So I'm looking around so I can give my card out and say, if you need help, call me. I get like really fired up to do that. But I also get triggered by the lights and the fanciness and all the people throwing their money away. And I'm like, right. give it to me instead. <laughs> hey, can yeah. you donate to our nonprofit? 
<laughs> don't put it right. in the machine. <laughs> you know, and I'm getting turned up with that. And that's that old temptation of the familiarity of our, our pit that we were in. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to be attracted oh, yeah. to those things. And so right. you did something really fantastic. I mean, life boxes. Tell us about these life boxes. What the heck is a life box? <laughs> so um, during COVID, I recognized that my MO of visiting people who tried to take their life um, in psychiatric wards and hospitals and ICU rooms and halfway houses, uh, I couldn't visit them. And I love visiting them. And when I visit them, I've always brought life boxes to them because I want them to live. But that was severed during the pandemic because we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We right. were forced to stay stay home. And I had yeah, to get right. creative be because even though we couldn't go anywhere, to, I couldn't go anywhere to minister the, to these people that wanted to stop living, they were still trying to stop living. That didn't change. As a matter of fact, it got worse. I know today way more people that died by suicide or overdose than COVID. Way more. Wow. And so in That's a lot November, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was, I was doing Zoom funerals. I mean, it was horrible. And I was like, God, I've still got to get these light boxes to them. And so I started shipping them. And I, in November, we started shipping them and a year later to this November, we've shipped now like within 400 life boxes around the wow. country and to three other countries. That's incredible. And what's, what's, give us an example of what's in a life box. You don't have to say every single thing because I know it might be a trade secret, but <laughs> um, like, yeah. what would be something if, if you opened up a life box you would get? All right. Well, we, we, I have three essentials that are non-negotiables and I've had a couple people say, yeah, but maybe you should. I'm like, nope, I can't. These are non-negotiables. And let me back that up. These are the three things I've needed since I was eight years old. I have, I'm, I'm 48. So for 40 years, there is three things I have. I have my Bibles, I have my journals and a pen. And I have kept all of my Bibles and journals since I was eight and I'm still alive. So every life box gets a Bible journal pen and I will not negotiate on that. And it's been awesome to see God's hand on it because even a, a aunt who requested one for her devil worshiping suicidal nephew, um, he got a Bible and he didn't return to sender. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know what? I mean, the devil's in there too. So it's not like he's not, he's cut off from reading about the devil. I'm just saying, right. like, you know, like right. in there too. <laughs> it's a great right. story. I mean, you can't, you can't deny that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean and, and to people that are not Christian, you know, we've sent life boxes to Jewish people, uh, you know, to atheists and everything in between. Mm -hmm. We send them to people that speak Spanish. We have Spanish life boxes, um, wow. Las Cajas de Vidas. We have for children, students, men, women. We also have grief like boxes for people that have lost someone to suicide. Oh, that's so, so good. Uh, you know what? I think it's so important that that people when they're in that midst of, of the, you know, like you said, the grief, but then the, the suicide uh, risk and the attempt that they're they know that someone cares. Now, do yeah. you find this, Heather, when you speak to people that have been suicidal, 
Do you find a connection happens? And do you see that your survivorship connects with their survivorship of overcoming? Yeah. Is that that part of the recipe for success when it comes to, obviously we know the main factor, Jesus, right? Right. Right. So what do you, what do you, yeah, I I just, I just don't want them to die. And that, and, and I know Annie, my lane, my lane is not mental health. My lane is not narcotics anonymous. My lane is not how to get free of codependency. My lane is not what you're doing. My lane is don't die. And, and then outside of that, I believe there are squillions of resources, connections to get them the other help they need. But my mission is one more suicide is one too many. So when I go and visit people, you know, that are in the hospital or in a psychiatric ward, um, it is there is a connection there because I've been in their shoes. Right now, tell me one more thing, because I'm really curious what it what story or what situation in the Bible about Jesus that just wrecked your heart, like changed the way you look at your your own life and, and how much he loves you. It definitely would be the demoniac in the Gerasenes when Jesus went yes. to visit him. Because That's one of my favorite ones. That is, <laughs> it's my favorite message to preach. I, I love, I can't wait to meet him in heaven. Um, you've got a guy that was an outcast, weird, mm-hmm. strange, mental illness. Uh, he was an insomniac. He wasn't sleeping. He had behavioral issues, relational issues. He was schizophrenic. He was naked. He was living among dead people and, and Jesus met him where he right. was. And, right. and that's my favorite story. I draw so much hope in life from that one. Wow. That's so good. I love that story. Um, I want to ask you lastly, how can people get a hold of you and get a, in their hands of one of the life boxes and, and tell us more about your website? Okay, so it's wonderful, and it's the word wonderful, but there's an H before the E-R. Wonderful.com, everything social media, at Wonderful. And to get a life box, you just got to go on my website and request it. We'll ship one out, no questions asked. We add, we put the, the essentials of the Bible journal in the pen, and then we put in a lot of other, a lot of other special things based on gender, age, and severity of situation. Oh, nice. So if, if, if that's a girl, it would be something different or a guy or whatever, like you put in something comforting for them. That's so good. Yeah. Now, what is your, what is your handles on Instagram? And at wonderful. Okay. And that's, but that's it, at wonderful on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat. Yeah. Are you on any other social media, uh, those are all of them. Yet? Okay, because you know we're switching too, right? They're getting more now, so different ones are starting to take over, which is really, really cool. Well, Heather, thank you so much. I'm I'm so encouraged by you. And do you have, are you writing a book or did you write a book yet? Are you working on it? I, I, I've, I'm not, I'm not interested right now. I, I, okay. I don't, I'd rather help people not give up than sit at a typewriter to meet deadlines, so. Yeah, I understand. But you know what, us walking the earth and you telling your story to us today and having it hit the masses is is good enough. We're like so happy and I'm so um, amazed at what you do. And I'm so proud that I know you and that you're my friend. 
And I cannot wait for you to come and sit in these chairs. And so we can- I want to! <laughs> I really want to. And I'm gonna wear the most fabulous pink clothes just for Yay. you. Listen, I want hey, you to- Hey, Annie, Annie, thanks for yeah. believing in me too. Thanks for oh believing God, in I me. I totally you believe in you. Are you kidding me? Dude, you it are means a, a rock star. You are a rock star. You, your vulnerability and your, your honesty and transparency is so refreshing and beautiful. A lot of people don't want to talk about what we just talked about. Our own personal dirt, like it's real. By the way, when we were, when I was asking you about the life boxes, you're not going to believe this. I don't know if the camera saw me do it. I almost passed out. I don't know what's going yeah. on, but I feel like. Yeah. And, and I rebuke the enemy right now. I got a dizzy spell and I felt like I was going to lose it. And I don't know what that's coming from, but I feel like that is a demonic attack. So I rebuke Shoot! the enemy right. Come on, somebody. I rebuke Shoot! the enemy. And so can Say you it. pray us out right now? Pray us out. Are you okay? Out there Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good now. Pray us out and, and, and go ahead. And if whoever's watching, whoever's listening to the podcast, watching the TV show, they are desperate. Go for it, Heather. I want you to right. pray for them. God, first of all, thank you for letting Annie and I make it through hells on earth to help people go to heaven. Thank you for rescuing us and using us. Lord, right now I stand arm in arm with Annie and the crew behind the scenes and we come against the enemy of death for anybody that is yes. being tempted to die. Enemy, you have no right to any human being on earth by suicide. You didn't lay down your life for them. You didn't create them in their mother's womb. You have no business to rob them of their life. Jesus came for them to live and live abundantly. And so I pray that you would infuse any listener, any watcher, any viewer right now with your Holy Spirit of life, that you would just totally fill them to the overflow with a peace mm. they can't explain and a life that they are just going to choose to live. Lord, life is hard, but you are good. So I pray that these listeners draw from your goodness like I have to when it gets tough and that none of us would cross the finish line before you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Heather. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon, girl, okay? Bye, right. bud. Thank you. Today's subject was very difficult. Suicide's never easy to talk about, but we know that we have a wonderful savior that loves us and in our dark feelings can carry us out of that pit that we're in and set us back on the rock with him, safe, sound, and God in control of our life. If you're struggling with suicide, you'll see on the screen a suicide hotline. I want you to please call that if you feel like you're on the edge and you need someone to talk to. Also, if you want to get a hold of Heather, you can go to WonderHerFull on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook and message her, and she will send you a life box and resources. You know, a lot of the ladies that we work with, clients that we work with at Hookers for Jesus and Destiny House, many of them, and I was one of them myself, feel suicidal and feel like their life is completely over and there's no reason to live. And that's why it's so important that you, as a listener, as someone that's watching right now, partner with us to help more ladies get out of the horrendous lifestyle of sex trafficking and into our program 
at the Destiny House. And we're always looking to help more ladies. And the only way we can do that is if you partner with us. Would you prayerfully consider becoming a monthly partner? You can easily go to hookersforjesus.net or pinkchair.com and click donate. God bless you.